You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. The family that plays together stays together, the old adage goes. But being in a band with your relatives is easier said than done. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. Today, it's all in the family. We play music by our favorite family acts. And we review the latest from the Hanson family. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. Last night a DJ saved my life. Last night a DJ saved my life, yeah. Cause I was sitting there bored to death, and in just one breath he said, a lot of anticipation in the last few months that Apple was going to finally jump into the digital radio business, Jim, and they finally pulled the trigger a few days ago. Apple unveiling iTunes Radio, an online streaming music service similar to what Google, Spotify, Pandora, Last FM are already doing, but with some huge potential because iTunes has already got 300 million people already using it, and there's a vast potential there for iTunes Radio to tap into that audience. Apple is saying that they're going to roll this out in the autumn for the U.S. market, and then other countries are going to follow soon after once they get all the licensing deals lined up. They've had a lot of success scoring these licensing deals. They've had a great relationship with the record companies since the iTunes store opened about a decade ago. They say they're going to cover the costs of these licensing deals by selling ads. Some observers are pointing out that, well, the ad-driven music services digitally are not doing so well. One of the reasons we like Internet radio is because it doesn't have commercials, right? Yeah, so you're wondering how this is going to work out, although they do mention that the people who are paying the 29 bucks for the cloud music storage service on iTunes will be able to get an ad-free version of iTunes radio. And then some are skeptical about whether or not iTunes Radio is really all that different from some of the services that are already out there. You've got 200 million registered users on Pandora. Is iTunes Radio really that different that those people are going to want to switch over? Some people are saying no. You know, you mentioned Pandora, Greg. One of the things that's been fascinating about the explosion of Internet radio and streaming services is the Congress has not been giving them a break in terms of paying royalties. They've been paying higher royalties to songwriters and to performers than old-fashioned terrestrial radio. Even the giant radio chains like Clear Channel, which owns hundreds and hundreds of stations, rather than fostering this new business, because this is where radio is going, right? They've been penalized in some ways by having to pay these high rates. Pandora just purchased an old-fashioned radio station in that hipster burg of Rapid City, South Dakota, because it turns out there's a loophole in the law. If a company owns one terrestrial radio station, they qualify for the lower rate. 
States. ASCAP, one of the two major American uh, songwriters, royalties, organizations. The president, Paul Williams, of It's Not Easy Being Green fame, is blasting Pandora. They are trying every trick in the book to brazenly and unconscionably underpay. Shoots back the Pandora executives. Certain powerful music incumbents see Internet radio as a threat. Internet radio must be embraced, not discriminated against. We've talked about that issue in the past, and it does seem kind of ridiculous. We are moving to a world where there should be one royalty rate, whether you're streaming, whether you're coming through the airwaves. Oh, great. The Jackson 5. Gotta love them. And not just because we're close to Gary, Indiana, being here (laughs) in Chicago. One of the all-time great family bands in rock history. We thought around Father's Day it would be good to look at bands that have family members, brothers, sisters, multiple generations of a family. Some of our favorites from throughout pop music history. We don't want to get too obvious. Obviously, Jackson 5 is a great one. As always with these shows, we like to start with a coin toss. Give me a great dad on your side of the coin. I'm going to go with Roebuck Pop Staples, the patriarch of the uh, staple singers. You know who I always thought was a great dad? Frank Zappa. Yeah. Really cared for his kids. They became musicians, actors, actresses. Coin is in the air. And Pop Staples wins. You get to start us off. Very good, Jim. Thank you. I'm glad I won because I'm going to pick the Staple Singers as my uh, first family band that I want to focus on. Staple Singers out of Chicago in the mid-30s, but got to go back to uh, Dockery Farm in Mississippi for the origins of, of Pop Staples. That's where he grew up and learned blues guitar listening to people like Howlin' Wolf, who played down at Dockery Farm. That was one of the cradles of the blues in the early 20th century. So Pops had this blues-saturated guitar style that he brought north with him when he moved to Chicago in the mid-30s, raised his family. He had his son Purvis, his daughters Cleotha, Yvonne, and Mavis, and basically created a gospel group with his children. Sat him around at his feet in the couch on their south side apartment, started teaching him the harmony parts that he learned growing up on Dockery Farm when he was doing gospel music as well as the blues side by side, and then integrated the two art forms. He was one of the first people to bring the electric guitar into those south side churches. So it used used to be basically a piano and organ when you'd hear a gospel group performing in church, but Pops had that distinctive electric guitar sound. And the other thing about the group that really stood out besides the beautiful harmonies that the family had together was Mavis, the youngest of the daughters, who had this deep contralto voice, amazing voice at a very young age. So the contrast between Pops's guitar and Mavis's voice and those beautiful harmonies on top uh, created this unique sound. A lot of people know this group primarily because of its hits during the Stax Records era in the 1970s when they recorded a bunch of hits for that great Memphis soul label like uh, Respect Yourself and I'll Take You There. But I want to go back to the very beginnings of the group when they started recording their first big songs for VJ Records. These were really stripped-down performances with Pops's guitar basically the only instrumentation 
on many of these recordings and and then the voices of the group. The song I'm going to play is a song that the Rolling Stones loved. In fact, they loved so much they ripped it off. <laughs> Keith, Keith Richards freely admits that he was listening to the Staples Singers perform this song when he came up with the guitar riff for the Stones version of The Last Time, one of their first big hits in the mid-60s. The Staples Singers had a hit with it a few years earlier, and they called it This May Be The Last Time. Obviously, the Stones changed the lyrics, secularized the lyrics. This is an old classic gospel song that Pops rearranged. This is called This May Be The Last Time from the Staples Singers on Sound Opinions. That is This May Be the Last Time from the Staple Singers, a great family band. Jim, what do you got next for us? Greg, when you think about great hit singles about being a family, We Are Family by Sister Sledge shoots right to the top of the list, right? I was talking about this with our producers, and they didn't realize that Sister Sledge actually (laughs) were all sisters. They originally formed as a group called Mrs. Williams' Grandchildren in their native Philadelphia. Why Mrs. Williams' Grandchildren? Because Viola Williams, the great opera singer, was the grandmother of Kim Sledge, Debbie Sledge, Joni Sledge, and Kathy Sledge. Now, this band came along fairly late in the disco explosion, but they made a big mark with an album produced by Nile Rodgers and Bernard Edwards of Chic. That's the one that had We Are Family, He's the Greatest Dancer. Really great songs. Frankie was a hit that came later. I'm going to play a little bit lesser known tune. It was the title track of their 19 
1981 album. Narada Michael Walden produced this one, All American Girls. I just love the idea of these four sisters from Philadelphia. It just, I, in my mind, they're always sitting <laughs> on a stoop in the summer, and they're kind of just jamming and start singing together. And, and this song has that vibe. There was a lot of female self-empowerment, a lot of good vibes, and those killer grooves. Here is All American Girls by Sister Sledge on Sound Opinions. All American Girls by Sister Sledge on Sound Opinion's 1981 hit. Greg, you got another family hit for us? Thank you, Jim. I want to stick with the sisters theme here for a minute. Sisters Maggie, Terry, and Suzzy Roach, the Roaches, a vocal group trio out of Greenwich Village uh, in New York in the mid-'70s, recorded their debut album in 1979. They picked up a lot of fans on that Greenwich Village folk scene during that era, including Robert Fripp, the great guitarist and mastermind behind King Crimson. He was a fan. He ended up playing on a number of their records, producing them, and 
was just struck, as were many people during that era, by this quirky mix of folk, doo-wop, bluegrass, barbershop that these girls were doing. They weren't really classically trained singers. But this is going to come up a lot in this show, this whole idea of when family members sing together, when they harmonize, it is something unique and unreproducible. No one else can sound quite like family members when they sing together. And it was very much true of the Roaches. The song I'm going to play is from the Robert Fripp produced debut album in 1979. It's a song called Hammond Song, and it's about the city of Hammond in Louisiana, where Maggie and Terry were staying soon after they recorded on Paul Simon's There Goes Ryman Simon album. And it's basically Maggie talking to Terry. She sees her getting involved with this guy and says, you know, if you, if you stay here in Hammond, you're never going to come back home to New York City. Terry answers back in the middle of the song, hey, sis, lay off. I know what I'm doing. I can handle it. So you have this little conversation between sisters in the middle of this song. It's Hammond's song from the Roaches on Sound Opinions. If you go down to That is Hammond's song from the Roaches, a family group that I love. But we also want to hear from you. What are the best rock acts that keep it all in the family? Call 888-859-1800. We'll continue with our lists and review the new album from the husband-wife duo Handsome Family in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
baby, I feel good From the moment I rise Feel good from morning To the end of the day Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And in honor of Father's Day, we are celebrating some of the great family bands in rock history. Of course, the Kinks were one, Greg. Ray and Dave Davis. The two brothers didn't get along that well, you know? Uh, But I'm going to play, next up on my hit list, two sisters who got along very well indeed. They're going on their fifth decade as a band. I'm talking about Anne and Nancy Wilson of Heart. The group was formed by some boys before either of the Wilson sisters got involved, but it really clicked once Nancy, the guitarist, and Anne, the vocalist, came on board. They had that classic Led Zeppelin model of hard-driving, heavy rock, plus beautiful acoustic folk music. I'm going to play a song that may be familiar to listeners of classic rock radio. I would say, even if you think you know this song, stop and listen to how ferocious the guitar is and how wonderful the vocal performance of Ann Wilson is. What an intense song. And I never read this story. I was going back through my my rock encyclopedias to see where this song came from. And it turns out, you know, know, the Wilson sisters have been fighting sexism as pioneers of women in rock throughout their entire career. In the mid-70s, a rock journalist, one of our brethren, but not a very good one, made an off-color remark to the sisters about how unnaturally close they were. And Ann Wilson was furious, went back to the hotel room, and fired off the lyrics to Barracuda. I'd never, I've known this song for my whole life, right? One of the first rock concerts I saw, but I didn't know that this was an anti-rock critic song. So here is Heart with Barracuda on Sound Opinions.
That is Heart with Barracuda, one of Jim DeRogatis' picks as a great family band. And Jim, you're absolutely right. Very, not only a great band, very underrated band. Do not get enough love. Uh, more more love for Heart, yeah. And another great sister act. Here's one more for you. The Breeders from uh, the Cannonball album in 1993. You know, this band started out basically as a collaboration between so-called second fiddles. You had Kim Deal from the Pixies the bass player in that group, uh, joining forces with Tanya Donnelly of Throwing Muses, two Boston-based alternative rock bands, where Deal was kind of second fiddle to Black Francis and the Pixies in terms of songwriting, and Tanya Donnelly was kind of playing second fiddle to Kristen Hirsch in Throwing Muses. So here they join forces. They end up making a pretty cool 1990 album called Pod, and then a four-song EP in 92, Donnelly ends up leaving to form her own group, Belly. Kim brings in her twin sister, Kelly Deal, to play in Breeders. Now, it's interesting. They call it Breeders. That was the band that Kim and Kelly Deal were both in when they were growing up in Dayton, Ohio, about a decade earlier. So here they were reuniting, and they ended up blowing away all those respective bands, the Pixies, Throwing Muses, in terms of commercial impact, at least, with the album they made together as the Breeders in 1993. That last Splash album was a huge alternative rock hit. The key song on it was the one I'm going to play. They had this knack for writing these really skewed kind of bubblegum songs. Little touches of the avant-garde in there, but still at the same time really catchy, sticky melodies informed by those really charming, again, vocal harmonies. Kim and Kelly, when they sang together, they really didn't sound like anybody else. Here's a song, Cannonball, with that stop-start bass line, those tart but sweet vocals, one of the defining singles of the early 90s on Sound Opinions.
Cannonball by the Breeders, a good pick, Greg, but we've been heavy so far in this show on the sister acts. I'm going to go now to a cousin act. Born in Brooklyn, Russell Tyrone Jones would uh, become famously associated with the borough of Staten Island because his mom would take him on the ferry to uh, visit his cousins, Robert Diggs and Gary Grice. These three gentlemen would become much better known as Old Dirty Bastard, <laughs> the RZA, and the Genius, cornerstone members of the Wu-Tang Clan. No exaggeration to say one of the most important bands in the history of hip-hop. They ruled the 90s with this mixture of dark, mysterious, ominous grooves and kung fu movie imagery and putting a spin on that classic played-out trope of godfather, gangster, drug dealer thing. I always saw them as a comic book that had sprung into musical mm-hmm. form. It was a great movie in your mind. I'm going to play a track that features all three of the cousins, trade in verses, Protect Your Neck, from the uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers record. It's produced by the RZA. The family connection goes on because after the RZA had his five-year plan for the inception of Wu-Tang Clan, he turned over manager duties to his brother, Mitchell Divine Diggs. I mean, these guys all kept it in the family. They were childhood friends. They grew up together, and they were blood. Here is Wu-Tang Clan on Sound Opinions. First things first, man, you f- with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a f- nurse. I'll attack any n- who's slacking his mat. Come fully packed with the fat the stack. Shame on you when you step through, too. The old dirty bastard, straight from the Brooklyn Zoo. And I'll be damned if I let any man come to my center. You enter the winter, straight up and down that shit. That cam, you can't slam. Don't let me get fooled on the man. The old dirty bastard is dirty and sticking. They saw unique rolling with the night of the creeps. We rolling with a stash. Ain't saying gas, bite my style. I'll bite your motherfucker. Yeah, I loud, my style is wild, so book me. Not long is how long that this rhyme took me. Ejected styles from my lethal weapon. My pen that rocks from here to Oregon. Here's Morgan. Catch it like a psycho flashback. I love gats. Rap was a gun. You wouldn't bust back. I come with shit, all types of shapes and sounds. And wherever I lounge is my stomping grounds. I give an order to my peeps across the water. To go and snatch up props all around the border. And get far like a shooting star. The shoe all off is never on the life of Pablo Escobar. Point blank as I kick the square bits. There it is. You're pros and it goes. Yo, chill with the feedback block. We don't need that. It's 10 o'clock, ho. Where the f*** you see that? Feeling mad hostile. Ran out postal. Throwing like Christ when I speak the gospel. Stroll with the holy roll. Then attack the globe with the buckets. Style the ruckus. Ten times ten men committing mad sin. Turn the other cheek and I'll break your f- chin. Slain boom bangs like African drums. Coming in around a mountain when I come. Crazy flamboyant for the rap enjoyment. My clan increased like black unemployment. Yeah, another one dare. Took a genius. Take us the f*** out of here. The woo is too slamming for these coke killer labels. So ain't had hit since I seen Aunt Mabel. Be doing all the sin like Kane did Abel. Now they money's getting stuck to the gum under the table. That's what you get when you misuse what I invent. Your empire falls and you lose every cent. But trying to blow up a scrub. Now that thought is just as bright as a 20 watt light bulb. Should have pumped it when I rocked it. So stingy, they got short arms and deep pockets. This goes on in some companies with majors that scared to death to pump these. First of all, who's your a and A mountain climber who plays an electric guitar, but he don't know the meaning of dope when he's looking for a suit and tie rap that's cleaner than a boss soap. And I'm the dirtiest thing in sight. Matter of fact, bring out the girls and let's have a mud fight. Protect your neck by the Wu-Tang Clan on Sound Opinions. Greg, you got another family hit? 
I do, Jim. Sly and the Family Stone. It's right there in the name. Brothers Sly Stone and the uh, singer-guitarist Freddie Stone combining forces to form Sly and the Family Stone in the mid-60s. Later on, they're joined by Freddie's sister, singer-keyboardist Rose Stone. So there were three immediate family members, and they fleshed it out with a diversity of musicians. They crossed all these boundaries, integrated, biracial, co-ed band, blend of cultures, voices, genders, and in a way, that was a great representation of the way they were blurring the lines in their music as well. You know, soul, funk, rock, psychedelia, all mashed up together. Then they topped it off with these empowering messages. And it was implicit in there. You, you just had to look at them. It wasn't just for the white hippies, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out. It was about people of color and women, the people outside the boundaries of society at the time in, in the 60s. Everybody's welcome to this party. So they had a string of hits, five top ten hits in the in in the late 60s, four really important albums. I think the best of those albums was that 1969 Stand album, and I'm going to play a track from it. It's Sly and the Family Stone with You Can Make It If You Try on Sound Opinions. You can make it if you try. Wake up 
You can make it if you try by Sly and the Family Stone. Greg, we were debating whether they qualified for our four-in-a-row great album show a while back, and they almost do. I'm going to end, though, on what I think is probably the ultimate family band of all time. They inspired a TV show, The Partridge Family, (laughs) who weren't really family, I'll have you know. The story of the Cowsills is a great one. In 1965, flush with Beatlemania, Bill, Bob, and Barry very alliterative, were playing in a band and, and covering Beatles songs. And eventually, when he got old enough, their brother John joined. And eventually, when she got old enough, their sister Susan joined. And then Paul joined. And, well, why not add mom to the mix? Barbara, who they called Mini Mom because she was very short. And suddenly you had this seven-member family group playing on the pier in Newport, Rhode Island, doing hours worth of Beatles covers. They got discovered. They began to make some records, didn't catch on right away. And then they got signed to MGM and had a hit with the song I'm going to play, Indian Lake. You said earlier there's something amazing about uh, family members harmonizing. And I think it's even more so when, in the case of the Staples Singers, it's multi-generations of a family. These songs are naive, but they're incredibly catchy in a sort of the way we appreciate the monkey. Right, You don't want to listen to a lot of cow sills in a row because it gets a little saccharine. But in selected hits, it's great. And Susan's voice in particular, I think, always was the great one. We've seen her play with any number of great bands over the years doing guest backing vocals, still making music to this day. Here are the cow sills with Indian Lake on Sound Opinions. You take a bus mark, Lakewood Drive, and you keep on riding till you're out of the city. by the Cowsills, which wraps up our Father's Day family band celebration. To check out our list again, visit soundopinions.org. And to give us yours, call 888-859-1800.
Next up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, the alternative country duo The Handsome Family has a new album, and I'll add a song to the Desert Island Jukebox. I'm sleeping and right in the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up From something that keeps knocking at my brain Before I go insane I hold my pillow to my head And spring up in my bed Screaming out the words I dread I think I love you This morning I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with And so I just decided to myself I'd hide it to myself And never talk about it And did not go and shout it When you walked into the room I think I love you Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and that's the song Flies from the new Handsome Family record, Wilderness. It's always good to get a General George Custer reference into a song, Jim, as far as I'm concerned. You know I'm a big history buff. (laughs) I was a sucker for that right away. And uh, it is going to continue our family theme because the Handsome Family is basically a husband and wife duo. You've got Brett Sparks, a musician from Texas, and Rennie Sparks, his wife, a fiction writer from Long Island. They came together as the Handsome Family in the early 90s out of Chicago. They now live in New Mexico. And along the way, they've had nine studio albums, with Brett doing primarily all of the singing and writing of the music, and Rennie contributing backing vocals and all of the lyrics. Uh, At the start, they were sort of lumped in with the alternative country scene, but I think they soon forged their own distinctive take on musical Americana, a lot of pre-rock and roll influences, making them quite distinctive. Breakthrough album came in 1998, the third album, Through the Trees, a beautiful and yet harrowing album in a lot of ways because it documented Brett's struggles with mental illness. And now here they are with Wilderness, a CD that spotlights the fact that these are Renaissance men and women in this group here. The CD is going to have a companion release in a book that's also entitled Wilderness, which contains essays and artwork by Rennie. Here's a track from a glowworm from the Handsome Family on Sound Opinions. I built a sailing ship 
That is the handsome family from album number nine, Wilderness. The song is called Glowworm. Greg, from time to time, we get accused of being homers, that we favor acts from Chicago when we review an act from Chicago. Just because we live here, though, we're, we're harder, if anything, on acts from Chicago because we expect them to be of national importance. The Handsome Family absolutely is. Nine albums into this career, they haven't made a misstep yet. Nobody captures what critic Greel Marcus once called the old weird America better in the music scene today than Brett and Rennie Sparks. It is like that book Wisconsin Death Trip come to life in music. (laughs) Macabre, weird, unsettling at times, but there's humor, always great humor. There's a song on this album about a woman in the 1800s in Wisconsin who was notorious for smashing any window she came across. I mean, who else writes a song about that, right? There's a song about how the old Mariner's legend that octopuses can wave their arms and hypnotize sailors and then they fall into the sea and drown. And then Brett, in that incredible, deep, gruff voice, delivers the punchline. That's why I know I shouldn't go to the seashore. (laughs) How can you not love this band? Musically, lyrically, every which way, this is a Buy It album, another Buy It album from the Handsome Family. Yeah, it's almost old hat with these two, uh, the tales of wonder, madness, death. You know, Rennie's lyric writing, again, I need to emphasize, is just so distinctive. I love the touches that she's bringing in here. I think a lot of people sort of put her in this gothic bag. It's very macabre, you know, horrible kind of stories that could have fit on the Harry Smith folk anthology. But I think she's, you know, expanded well beyond that. That sci-fi vibe on that song we just played, Glowworm. It kind of reminds me of uh, Jules Verne, you know, Journey to the Center of the Earth. And, uh, you know, it's fantastic, fantastical kind of tales. And at the same time, you've got the beautiful music. I love that sonorous voice that Brett has and also his diversity as a writer, you know, doing everything from chamber pop to old hymns. Great stuff, great album. It's a buy it for me as well. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Far from home, the 
As often as possible, we'd like to take a trip to the desert island, and it is Jim's turn this week. Jim, you've got the motorboat revved up. You're heading out there. You're going to drop a quarter in the desert island jukebox. What's it going to be? Well, Greg, we've been having so much fun with this family theme that I thought I had to pay homage to one more family band with a song about a family, albeit kind of a twisted song. People in the indie rock world were really devastated as if they had just heard uh, some of their best friends or family members had gotten divorced when they heard that Kim Gordon and Thurston Moore had split up. Their marriage was the center of sonic youth for three decades. And people, much as they look to Yola Tango, would look to this band and say, you know, if Thurston and Kim can do it, we can do it. But, you know, families ebb and flow in their closeness. Sonic Youth has ebbed and flowed throughout its career. I have been harshly critical at times of the more experimental, off-the-cuff, just endless, jammy Sonic Youth. But, man, the songwriting Sonic Youth I have always loved. Albums like Evil, Sister, Goo... I think the best song they ever wrote, though, came on album number two. This is this is like really the first song they wrote because most of Bad Moon Rising in 1985 was a long song cycle. And then there was this track tacked on at the end of the album written by Thurston Moore with Lydia Lunch, one generation of noise rock, the new generation, Sonic Youth, paying homage to the preceding generation. Lydia Lunch had been in Teenage Jesus in The Jerks. And they are imagining themselves as members of the Manson family in Death Valley in 1969. It's a scary song. It's cartoonish. This isn't an endorsement of those horrible crimes. It captures a sort of insanity, I think, really well, the way the music matches with the theme, and yet it's insanely catchy, all driven by that like, three-note bass note line, you know, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. I love this song. Death Valley 69, a real peak for Sonic Youth early in their career. Here it is on Sound Opinions.
Sonic Youth with Death Valley 69, my Desert Island jukebox pick for the week. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, we put on our tuxedos for this one because next week we're going to interview Roxy Music founder Brian Ferry. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minoff. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, he's kind of like our brother from another mother. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, I'm Sharon from Los Angeles calling about your review of of Trouble Will Find Me by The National. I'm sorry, guys, but I have to say for both of you, what a superficial, poorly thought-out review. I mean, all you both could talk about was how depressing Matt Berninger's lyrics are. What are you expecting from the National? Happy, clappy pop songs? Do you expect cheerful lyrics from Nine Inch Nails? I don't remember many cheerful songs on Nevermind, which Jim said he'd rather listen to than the National. But I also object to the premise that all the lyrics on this album are depressing. For example, on that song Demons, which you didn't even play all the way through, on the bridge, when he says, when I walk into the room, I do not light it up, he follows that with an expletive, and it is funny. It is tongue-in-cheek. When I walk into the room, I do not light it up. So I stay down with my And your criticism of the actual music was totally vague. What was your problem, anyway? I, I would have liked to have heard more, not just more bombast, less bombast. They just can't please you no matter what they do. Anyway, I'm sorry I can't say keep up the good work this time, but I will continue to listen, even though you drive me crazy sometimes. Hello, gents. This is Andrew from Chicago, and uh, a lot of great music offered during your halfway through the year roundup, but I want to throw in my pick for the best album of the year so far, it came out in January, but it's a relatively new find for me. It's Beta Love from Ra Ra Riot. This is a band out of Syracuse, New York. And they've really entered a new wave of sound for the band. They were sort of working in a chamber pop or a baroque pop style for a while. They lost their cellist in uh, 2007. She left the band. And they've come back with just this incredible, incredible sound. Mixing synth pop with a little bit of electro and... Definitely some catchy, catchy tunes. I have to say the first three tracks of the album is one of the best starts to an album that I've heard in a really, really long time. Dance With Me, Binary Mind, and the title track, Made of Love. Would you take me up this time?
this is an album, again, it came out in January, but this is a summer album, and it's going to be on repeat all summer long. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Guys, this is Amanda from Philadelphia, and I just wanted to say that the new Justice album, it's a live album, is totally blowing my mind. I don't know how they do so much with material that's so old. It came out the same time as Random Access Memories, and to be honest, I would listen to this five times before I listen to the Daft Punk album all the way through again. It's Access All Arenas, and you should definitely check it out. It's great. I can't stop listening to it. Thanks, guys. Do a great job. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.